Welcome to Blockchain Recorded, the podcast for the tech curious, where we talk about anything and everything related to the exponentially evolving crypto, blockchain, and Web 3.0 space. Our mission is simple, to share knowledge, facilitate discourse, and help evolve education in blockchain fundamentals, decentralization solutions, and relevant use cases for today's digital economy. We at Blockchain Recorded are not registered investment advisors and do not deal with financial or trading token elements, nor offer any licensed financial services. The content of this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, while the opinions of all parties involved are their own. I'm your host, Nina Tserar, and now let's talk blockchain. Before I introduce our guest today, I'd like to remind our listeners to follow us on Twitter, where we pre-stream each episode on Twitter Spaces the day before publishing on all major podcast platforms. For the platform list, visit our website, blockchainrecorded.com. In addition, Blockchain Recorded Podcast is a proud media partner of the upcoming Blockdown Portugal and Istanbul Blockchain Week events. For further event information, speakers, and ticket details with available discounts, check blockdownconf.com and istanbulblockchainweek.com. This episode is dedicated to the Web3 Stronger Together Ecosystem Initiative and its first virtual summit, which took place between March 1st and March 4th, 2023 in Evelyn's Metaverse, a virtual platform uniting several hundred Web3 leaders and thinkers, over 100 projects and speakers, and over 5,000 attendees from across the world. The purpose of Web3 Stronger Together, with which Blockchain Recorded is a proud media partner, is to demonstrate to the crypto community that the Web3 ecosystem is strong, solidary, active, and committed to furthering innovation, despite the status of the market and nature of price speculations. It emphasizes the importance of fairness, inclusivity, diversity, and sustainability to furthering healthy Web3 fundamentals. The summit included many panel discussions with assigned topics, which Blockchain Recorded is redistributing in audio form. The second panel discussion on March 2nd, an 11th panel overall, talks about DeFi for financial inclusion, namely about breaking down barriers to access. The speakers were Benjamin Butin Spark, the co-creator and host of Art and NFT and NFT Business Podcasts, Alex Pryor, the head of innovation at EOH, Liviu Manda, CEO and co-founder of Imperium, and Katerina Volkova, co-founder of RioCorp and chief strategy officer of RTC. The speakers identified the major barriers to financial inclusion, as well as advantages to DeFi, the problem of decentralization, and the realistic differences between DeFi, CeFi, and fintech, reflections of what MICA and other global regulation initiatives will bring, as well as financial inclusion integration projects. The following is the panel's discussion hosted by Martin Noblia, a key event organizer behind the Web3 Stronger Together ecosystem initiative. We do apologize for potential audio drops due to choppy internet connections. We edited the recording to the best of our ability. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining this panel. Uh, you, Alex, Katerina, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I'm very excited to be the moderator of this uh, panel. Uh, you know, this is uh, about uh, humanity and inclusivity and cooperation. So I know we didn't prepare this event uh, beforehand. So don't worry if you're hesitating in things, we're just gonna do it human for human, okay? I'm very glad you guys are here. Thank you so much. And please, uh, please introduce yourself. Please uh, tell us why you're in Web3 and uh, what do you do and all that stuff. Thank you. Uh, maybe uh, Alex, why don't you go? 
Perfect. Hi there, everyone. So happy to be here. Thanks, Martin. I am Alex Pryor. I head up digital innovation for EOH, which is one of our largest uh, in, uh, te technology companies. Uh, in addition, I sit on the, I'm a founding member of the World Metaverse Council, and I am also the founder and CEO of the Africa Web3 Revolution, which aims to support, promote, and connect African businesses within the emerging tech space and really raise the profile of Africa globally within the tech space. I've been within the Web3 space for, I think, probably three or four years now, but very much from a corporate perspective for the past two years. And it's really wonderful to be here and to be chatting about a, a topic that I'm really very passionate about because so many people on my continent very, very greatly and stands to really look at how mass adoption for Web3 can actually take place in a practical manner. Awesome. Hello, Benjamin, can you hear us? Yes, hi. I can hear you very well. Thank you. Okay. Katharina, why don't you go? Women first. Oh, thank you so much. Ladies, ladies first. We're <laughs> gentlemen. Well, my name is Katrina Volkova. I'm a um, co-founder of Rio. It's uh, one of the D5 projects that basically are also pretty innovative from the tech side and uh, also from security side, I could say, in a certain way. And I'm also Chief Strategy Officer at From the Chain. At From the Chain, we are helping projects like Web2 and Web3 projects uh, to join Web3 to thrive in Web3 via marketing and VR services. And also, we have certain incubation in, uh, services uh, for some projects that we are selecting. We also have a small fund where we select the projects and helping them not only with the money, but I could say it's smart money. In this case, it's more about like helping the projects, uh, not only in uh, response, but also to thrive in this space with all our connections. Yeah. And why uh, Gen Web3, I think, uh, oh, it's been a while. It was like 2016, 2017. And uh, I've been uh, working with uh, different funds, uh, mostly in Europe, Middle East and also Asia. And uh, I've been helping funds in the beginning. Later on, I started to advise projects as well because uh, before Web3, I was uh, helping real businesses to explore, let's say, the market to go abroad uh, for the market, uh, to penetrate other markets. And uh, I think that Web3, it's very promising. It's like, I know when uh, Web1, Web2 appeared, like uh, everybody was talking just like, okay, that's the end. We have it. We reached it. But now we have Web3 and I think it's uh, just the beginning and uh, we will see so many technologies that would help and then are already helping the world in different cases. Awesome. Uh, leave you. Yes. Thank you, Martin. Hello, everyone. I'm very glad to be here with you and be part of this initiative. So my name is Livy Manda. I'm CEO of uh, Imperium. I am uh, also uh, one of the three co-founders. Imperium is a platform which uh, aims to provide the transparency, security, ownership, and uh, exposure to the top cryptocurrencies in the world. We offer uh, a series of uh, index funds for uh, our users and uh, the services that uh, we will provide comply very, very well with uh, the theme of uh, this panel, offering uh, to everyone a chance to be financially included include, uh, in uh, Web3 and DeFi, uh, DeFi space. I started in uh, Web3 and in crypto in 2017 with some investments back then. It was that uh, mania phase and uh, I experimented my, my first bear market. 
but uh, glad, gladly I, I stayed in the space and I uh, did a lot of research. And uh, in 2021, in February, so two years ago, I started uh, working at Imperium with uh, the other two, two co-founders. And uh, what I wanted to say and maybe explore a little bit uh, later in the panel, uh, we will be discussing about barriers to access for the users. But also as a founder, you have a lot of barriers to, to access the web free space because it's a very new, uh, new space. And I'm glad that uh, I think uh, most of those barriers for, for us as founders have been uh, broken down and uh, somehow we have a clear path right now with what we, we need to do. And um, I'm very looking forward to, to have this panel discussion with you and thank you for this uh, chance, Matit. You're welcome. I like your house in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Benjamin, why don't you go now? Yes, hi, Martin. Behind is my real house. Yes, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> this is my real house also, Benjamin. <laughs> <laughs> Can we trade? <laughs> and trade. Uh, so I co-created two podcasts in French. Sorry, guys. Uh, one called Art and NFT. And the other one is called NFT business. So it's all about, it's not only about NFTs, you know, it's about Web3. But then you see the difficulty to find a real good um, vocabulary about Web3 because it's blockchain, crypto, NFT, metaverse. And let's say Web3 yeah. is nice. It's the best way to describe it. So I'm doing podcasts and I have a training company also. And we train individuals and companies on Web3, uh, you know, technologies and outcomes for their company. And I've been asked more and more about DeFi recently. I think it's about maybe for the last six months, I have recurring uh, people asking me all the time about, about DeFi. They want to know more. So I've been trained on DeFi at Alira Block Blockchain School, which is the only French school that can teach you really uh, technological stuff on Web3. And I was totally, um, I'm completely amazed by DeFi because it's it's the way to empower people. And as you get more and more into Bitcoin and you understand that it's a probable next currency or I would say an alternative currency, then you, you understand how DeFi, decentralized finance, could be an alternative way of uh, lending money, borrowing uh, crypto, uh, having more services thanks to crypto that usually would be only reserved to banks. And it's a way to become our own bank. And this is so powerful that I'm really into that. And I, I, I'm eager to start discussing about that. Yeah, that uh, financial inclusion, you know, that we, we should be talking about. First, I want to say, Benjamin, I really love your podcast. I literally listen to every single one of them. They're amazing. I learn a lot about uh, everything around Web3. So thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate that. So I wrote down some questions, you know, to kind of make you guys think about some stuff, but feel free to share whatever you want. You know, at the end of the day, we just, uh, we're here to share a knowledge for the community. So what are the biggest barriers to financial inclusion that you think that we should address? Maybe why don't you go, Benjamin? Well, if you really think about that, I believe strongly that the system was created to get the people out of the system. I believe this, the, the system is created in order for banks and financial institutions to have power on the individuals. And you can see that as the system, you can see that at school, basically in school, you never learn how to, how to manage your money. Basically, what is money? Basically, how can you, um, how can you get more power with money to make things, not just to uh, accumulate money, which is which is ridiculous but to use money as a mean to uh, to get your life more i uh, would say more exciting maybe to create more projects with money 
So yeah. you can see that in, in the whole society system. And all of a sudden, crypto tells you that you could, you could uh, manage your own crypto with your wallet. Then you can also borrow crypto from a DeFi protocol. And then you can also exchange crypto out throughout the world with almost no fees and no institutions. So that's, you know, really huge. If, if I'm would like to add, in. Yeah. You want to add a Yes. So I think one of the biggest barriers to financial inclusion, um, as, as, uh, as Benjamin said, is, is that it's a system that's not designed for, um, for people below a certain income line. Uh, if mm -hmm. I was, oh, the reason I was looking to the side now, if you noticed, was that I was checking my stats and about 1.7 billion people on this earth are currently unbanked. They do not have a bank. So wow. from a financial inclusion perspective, um, I know here in South Africa, one of the requirements in order to become a customer of a bank is you have to prove your address. But by the same token, we have, uh, you know, several million people living in informal settlements where they do not have an address that they can prove. You have to prove your address. So you can't have KYC, know your customer, without having um, the ability to prove where you live, for example. They may not have an ID. If you think about um, migrants between countries, these sort of illegal migrants who are not technically allowed to be there, they cannot be part of the, the central financial system. But same token, DeFi, and I'm sure we'll, we'll chat a bit about the fact that there isn't legislation yet around it, which is something we need to be cognizant of. But yeah. where the DeFi actually stands to cause mass adoption within this Web3 space is that you don't need to have that interaction with central authority to be able to use it. Within Africa, we've been using mobile money uh, on our cell phones that does not require the banks since 2007 with a, a non-blockchain currency called Mpesa. So one of the things I find really exciting is the fact that for groups of people who most people don't take time to consider, they're already in the system that is actually pricked for this. This next step is just to move them onto a blockchain-based currency rather than a non-blockchain-based currency that's controlled by a central entity. So DeFi stands to be able to include people, but in a way that you don't have to understand the blockchain. I think, as Benjamin, you were saying, you know, there are all these terms, but I keep saying you don't have to understand an engine to be able to drive a car. You don't have to understand how to write yeah. an application in order to be able to use your iPhone. And by the same token, a person does not need to be able to understand blockchain to be able to mm -hmm. use DeFi. And I think at the problem, one of the barriers for DeFi is that we still talk too technically. For blockchain, we talk, you know, DeFi, talk about decentralized finance. The average person doesn't know what this means. And as yeah. soon as we can start talking about it in a way that talks about the benefits rather than the technology, then we're going to get somewhere. Yes, great, great. Okay, but uh, I agree with everything that you you guys said, and uh, this is the the right approach to provide the people the opportunity to uh, use DeFi and uh, in a manner that is very simple and not get it to to technical. But how can we avoid to make it centralized and have a centralized decentralized finance? Because uh, the more you want to make it decentralized, the more the risks will be there and the people who are using that technology, yeah, it'll be more complicated. So I think that the correct way to do it is to, to be somewhere somewhere in the middle. And I think that for the moment, I don't know if we have a perfect recipe for that or if you know a way to do that. But I yeah. like that we keep exploring. Now, in my view, everyone wants... So, sorry, Katrin. Everyone wants the corporate money, uh, but no one actually wants the corporates involved. 
And unfortunately, I don't think you can get you can get both. And when you bring in central bank digital currencies, which is its own conversation into the mix, it gets it gets very, very interesting as what's going to happen. I think the biggest issue for DeFi is the fact that there is no legislation to guide countries, to guide organizations. And it also scares individuals. So um, I had of Katarina because she hasn't, hasn't spoken yet, but it's it's something we really need to think about. And we know that the legislators are coming for this. But what it looks like, uh, that will really define how this goes forward. Yeah. Well, in my case, I think that, uh, Alex, you mentioned like uh, this mobile money. Like, uh, So in my case, most of the people, they confused uh, between DeFi, CeFi and FinTech. Because in Africa, what you can see, it's not defined. I'm really sorry to say that because I know like African countries pretty well. And uh, Africa is uh, actually evolving pretty fast, I could say, thanks to European money, Chinese money and all the technologies. But anyway, uh, in Africa, we can still see mostly fintech, high fintech, high class fintech. We could see the same in Indian countries. Like Indian Indian states, they're different, right? Like uh, India is huge and uh, there are different states, different uh, also level of innovation in different states. And uh, all emerging countries, they're mostly like on fintech stage or in C- on CFI stage, as we could see in Latin America, where uh, lots of uh, CFI projects, centralized finance projects, invested a lot of money to promote themselves. So we could see uh, lots of uh, monopoly or oligopoly in uh, these countries. And uh, talking about DeFi, most of the projects who are calling themselves DeFi, decentralized finance, actually, they're not decentralized at all, unfortunately, at this stage. It's not because they don't know how to be decentralized, but it's because, first of all, we are talking about legislation. Secondly, they're still like on such an early stage that it's impossible to decentralize everything from the beginning. Yes, we could talk about DAO, we could talk about uh, some uh, possibility for communities to run, like to help to run the project, but it's still not decentralized. And I know Sisi also talking about Binance as uh, it's decentralized, everything is decentralized, uh, like everything regarding the legislation. I have nothing regarding it, you know, like because uh, no one is um, running the project. It's completely decentralized. But yeah, I agree. So, like, just like uh, Shivo too in the country El Salvador, which is uh, supposed to be Bitcoin and decentralized, they still centralize it in a certain way. So I totally agree with what you said. Uh, Martin, can I intervene? Sorry, I don't like the word yeah. decentralized. I agree with all that. It's not, nothing's decentralized. What I would say is De- uh, DeFi actually is a finance with smart contracts. Smart contract is just a software. So I would say it's finance made by a software and a software that anyone can design because on Ethereum, it's, you know, uh, uh, solidity. I mean, it's, it's kind of easy language to master. Maybe in a few months, you can master that and you can create a smart contract for lending and borrowing crypto. So I would, I believe that millions of people will create smart contracts for financial uh, usage, financial financial use case in the next mm-hmm. few years, and and that's what I call decentralized. It's before to borrow to lend money to someone, you would need to be an institution recognized by the United Nations or whatever by Central Bank of Europe. So today, you create a smart contract. You need to attract liquidity, of course, but then you use you know Twitter social networks and you say to people hey come come and check my my smart contract and why don't we just trade crypto and that's the revolution so not anyone will make smart contracts but people everywhere in the world could start using thousands of smart contracts and they will be all on their smartphone 
and there will be centralization because iPhone will say, here are, here are the three smart contracts that we recognize. But I hope people will get more and more educated in that field and then they will choose their own smart contracts. I think yeah. that's a good point because while it becomes relatively easy to make a smart contract, it is not easy to make a good smart contract or a secure smart contract. Uh, and especially in the crypto world where the problem is less the hackers as it is the scammers, that's going to add an element of um, suspicion to uh, to people who are adopting it. Um, if we look at, and I think the, the other issue is that cryptocurrency and blockchain and DeFi all get confused. So DeFi is obviously linked to cryptocurrency, but people are suspicious of it. And that's one of the things that's going to prevent adoption is people are suspicious of it. But where we see adoption happening of cryptocurrencies, it's actually in emerging markets for exactly the reasons we've been talking about. Um, in terms of the top 10 uh, countries that are, uh, in terms of Bitcoin and of cryptocurrency adoption, I think Nigeria tops that list. But only one European country, for example, is in the top 10, and that's Turkey, I think number three or number four. But aside from that, the States isn't in there. Pretty much none of the main countries in uh, in Europe are in there, but none, none of these so-called first world countries are there, which means that adoption is going to be happening in emerging markets. And that is going to be interesting because they work in a very different way to so-called first world countries. But yes, you know, we're, what what happens with this and what happens with the legislation? Because the legislation is coming. The banks are fighting for their lives and the banks are lobbying the, the governments there. The governments are issuing their own central bank currencies. Uh, they don't necessarily want to compete against cryptocurrencies. Never ask rest panel. I mean, how do you how do you see that playing out? Because the other reason people don't want to adopt DeFi as opposed to, as uh, Katarina says, something that's a bit more centralized, even if it's not a bank, is because is someone going to come and take my money next year because it's been made it's been made illegal? Yeah. Uh, leave you. You want to say something on that, or? Yeah, I am. Um, I have more knowledge about uh, European legislation and uh, MiCA, the the law that uh, is now under analysis it, at the European Union. So MiCA is the market in crypto assets, and uh, from what we discussed with our lawyers, it uh, will enforce a lot of laws on crypto, and it will be a very hard law. They don't treat uh, that much the NFTs. So NFTs, maybe we, it will be a gate, uh, you know, to avoid some of the, the legislation. We have a draft, a very big draft of, of almost two, 200 uh, 100 pages. And I think that real innovation will not uh, take place until we have these uh, laws in certain jurisdictions, you know, because when you have the laws, you can sit at the table with the government authorities and you can really make a platform or uh, a smart contract, as uh, Benjamin said, that uh, accounts for security, for transparency, and it's also government-backed or something like that, and they say, uh, until until then, we are just uh, testing. We are in a testnet. I don't think that we will see a mainnet until we have uh, clear, clear laws. This is my opinion. Okay, that's great. Just add something. I think that uh, in thought in general, the market will be divided and the market will be divided uh, between, I don't want to say it like darknet, but uh, let's say people who would like to escape uh, strict legislations like uh, Bitcoin anarchists, you know, like crypto anarchists, like, and uh, all the guys who don't need legislation and don't trust governments. There are plenty of them. 
especially in blockchain space and Web3. And uh, also more regulated uh, markets. And uh, I'm, I'm not sure, I don't want to bet on it, but I do believe that uh, there will be a day when we will see lots of uh, financial systems of developed countries would be regulated with blockchain space as well, like uh, the blockchain space will be regulated there, while we would see lots of emerging countries that wouldn't be that much regulated. Or they would be regulated, but it would be possible always to overcome this law. Let's say how it's possible now. I, I like what you say, Katerina. I believe the genius is out of the box now and there's no way out. Meaning that, you know, you check Gary Genser, the SEC, he says, oh, by the way, this is security. Oh, and this also, or maybe this is security. Oh, what am I doing? What am I? He doesn't know because, of course, every week now we have a new technology. Now we have layer twos. Now we have CK rollups. What I mean is like every time they're going to put new regulation, there will be more people inventing new technology, new smart contracts, new uh, use case in the crypto space. So Katerina, I think is right. You will have the companies that will adopt strict regulation and that will, that will be uh, services on crypto for the basic pop general population. And you will have people like us who have the education and we will be able with our wallets to interact with such and such DeFi protocol because we will have the education. So we are all, we all believe that education is the key doing. And that's why I'm excited every time I teach someone about DeFi and crypto, because I want people to get educated and understand what they are doing. But I believe now with YouTube and with all the you know, social networks, I hope people will have this excitement of knowledge to have their own wallets and, and understand what is happening with CBDC, etc. I believe in that, especially in developed countries. I see that they are very at ease with uh, crypto, with QR codes, with iPhones, with etc. So that's that's a good thing. I believe that you know there's going to be change in in power. Probably the developed country will have more power in the crypto space than the Western world. Yeah, very soon too. So I'm so fired up to be here. I'm learning so much. Thank you so much for me, you guys. Um, I have a burning question. I, I just want to know if you guys have some example uh, of successful DeFi project that are have been used for, to promote financial inclusion. Um, I just want to know if you guys have any project in mind. If not, that's okay. Anybody? No, not really. Uh, I just see a gamification of some yeah. protocol, like PancakeSwap. But of course, it's yeah. Binance behind. But at least they have their, you know, their gamified. It's a gamified experience. You know, there's icons everywhere. It's 3D graphics. So the interface is nice and you don't feel like you're into a financial world, basically. So I believe in that, but it's not for everyone and that's for everyone. I believe it's yeah. not about, uh, it's not about the project itself. It's about the whole ecosystem because ecosystems are fighting as well. It's a uh, competition here and uh, ecosystem, they're helping the projects with financial, like DeFi projects as well, with financial inclusions. So if you're talking, for instance, about Binance, right? Binance invested a pretty huge amount of money into uh, Nigeria, and they had uh, that meeting, I think it was like a uh, meet of 2022 with the Nigerian president, uh, or Vitalik with the Serum ecosystem had a meeting with Montenegrin uh, 
uh, governor regarding also implementation of blockchain there, but uh, into financial systems, right? So like it's also financial inclusion. And uh, we also have Ripple who are helping other countries uh, with financial inclusion of uh, blockchains. So in such regard, I see more about like ecosystem part. Ecosystems are dividing the world, helping uh, financial systems to integrate blockchain, what means about financial inclusion actually. While we see also like smaller projects and uh, uh, like um, projects, uh, different ones, like we could talk about like more bank uh, like bank side like you know like simplex for instance so uh more talking about like chain link with uh, their huge ecosystem huge supporters i don't know like and projects they are helping or we could talk about uh i don't know like uh other compound uh, and all these giants all these amazing projects they they do help financial they help emerging markets but ecosystems have more money more power more connections I could say in certain way and uh, they are the ones like the leaders of these ecosystems are the ones whom uh, big guys would listen to i don't want to mention uh, who become uh, the founder of ripple later on once he uh, <laughs> stepped out of ripple but still like it's one of the examples right yeah i'd like to i'd like to add to what katharina is saying that regarding ave and compound which are very famous DeFi protocols they have a huge community around the project like on twitter on the on the twitter of of ave for example or their youtube or whatever you see so much interesting people interacting with that that we don't even need endorsement of a bank or endorsement of a huge institution to know that ave is a very good protocol audited and secured so i believe that more and more community will be even bigger than endorsement from central banks and that's also the the, the revolution of the web3 is the community aspect you know, yeah. I can actually just add in a couple of examples as you as you asked, Martin, around around yeah. protocols that are, are being utilized in crypto for financial inclusion. One of the big ones in Africa is a company called Yellow Card. They started as a uh, yes, as a centralized exchange, but what they really have done recently is launch what they call Yellow Pay, which is around sending money instantly cross border for cross border payments between. Uh, countries in Africa. It's currently about 16 countries in Africa. And that's really something that is a very big use case here because you've got people who move between different countries in order to be able to work. But to send money via the centralized system, via the banks, is very expensive. Whereas to utilize YellowPay as a mobile app, it lets them actually send money to their families instantly without needing to worry about that with very, very minimal fees uh, and gets int introduced into the crypto ecosystem. Another one which is not exactly DeFi based, but also allows for more financial inclusion is a project that's happening here in South Africa. And you may know we have a rather a large problem with rolling blackouts at the, at, the, uh, at the moment. But a company that started out in NFTs has moved into effectively fractionalized solar offerings. So you can pay just with your normal credit card uh, to purchase a single solar cell up to a, an entire block. Um, and once they've got a certain number, they will do that installation on a rural school or a hospital or somewhere where, need, where it needs it. But because the excess power is fed back into the grid, there's a return on investment. So you receive this as an NFT. And as you said, an NFT is potentially a way to get around the, uh, the DeFi legislation uh, as it's coming um, at the moment. But it allows people to, for a very small amount, invest in something they wouldn't otherwise have been able to invest in to gain a benefit as in more power for our grid when we need it and also to be able to trade that on the, on the market 
So it opens up a world for people that previously they weren't able to do. So, you know, DeFi doesn't have to be traditional exchange loan um, stake. It can actually be something that's a little bit more broad, depending on how far out of the box you think. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if I can add something, yeah, to what everyone everyone said when I thought about our team for the panel discussion, the barriers, I defined uh, three of the most uh, biggest barriers that I observed in the space. First one is access to financial services. So if an individual want to access a, a borrowing platform or a lending platform or to earn interest on its uh, holdings, it can be very difficult in uh, some soft countries, especially in Africa or underdeveloped countries. And the uh, blockchain and DeFi offers, uh, let's say, a fair chance to everyone. And here I thought about Aave, which you already mentioned, and also Yearn Finance, which uh, is also quite big. Uh, the second one uh, that I identified is cross-border payments that Alex uh, uh, said about uh, yellow card in Africa. I didn't know about that, but uh, I only identified Ripple. Fortunately, this is the only one that uh, I came across. Uh, either we like it or, or not. And uh, the third barrier is that uh, people need uh, access to investment opportunities. So each and everyone should have a fair chance to have the ability to, to place an investment and learn earn some interest on, on its whole um, economies, on its holdings, on its money. And yes. uh, here I thought about uh, Compound and MakerDAO. This, these are the projects that I uh, identified. In my opinion, these are the, the, the most biggest uh, barriers. So if you yeah. identify some other ones, I, I'm, I'm really curious about. This is great. Uh, but also there's something I learned uh, over the years, uh, teaching people how to earn passive income and earn interest is that in some uh, religion, you're not allowed to earn interest. So, you know, that's also something to think about. Very funny, but uh, we're almost uh, coming down to the end of this panel. So um, we, we can't finish this panel without talking about uh, regulation and regulators. So if you guys maybe want to chat about it or chat about something else, uh, who wants to go? Well, I think everybody would agree that regulation is coming. Talking about like uh, that, uh, I'm really sorry, just like one step uh, behind, like talking about that in some uh, religious, you are not allowed to earn interest. If you are talking about Islamic banks, then uh, I'm really sorry, but uh, there are lots of uh, special projects uh, already created in the Islamic world uh, who are helping with that. And Saudi people, they are also coming into blockchain space to solve different dilemmas. And Islamic banks, they are just operating on slightly different approach, but it's still possible to do that by not pro. So talking about uh, and it's also part of the regulation, right? Like because like they are all highly regulated. And uh, talking about uh, let's say regulation, I would say that I. Uh, in the future, for sure, like more and more, we will see regulated markets, especially like in developed countries and countries who are developing now, but uh, not like not emerging countries, but developing, right? Uh, we will see lots of regulation because uh, they are basically following developed countries. And uh, it's more about politics, I would say. It's not about uh, actually people who would like to help financial systems, unfortunately. So that's my my opinion. I, yeah, I don't know. Good, yeah. I <laughs> that's also my opinion. I have a very political view on that. And regulation is aimed at reproducing a system of who has the power and who <laughs> is underlying the power. So it will be exactly that. And you can see that clearly in the USA. They're gonna. They try to start, uh, you know, implementing the same powering system. That who is who's gonna be in charge and who's gonna be under that. So in Europe, they try to do something 
I think more different because there are more countries. All the countries don't have the same interest or um, the same vision of who has the power. So of course the central bank in Europe has the power, but now we believe that in Europe they had they had too much power and they didn't do the job well. So power is going to go down more into the, the governments and the states and crypto will help that. But check the check the regulation and you'll understand who wants the power. Yeah. Yeah, perhaps I, I could just sort of add an, an interesting related point to that. So what, while I in general think that the crypto winter has been a fantastic thing because it gets rid of all the money grab projects and the ones who stick yeah. around and pools are going to actually be the ones who set the scene for the next uh, next revolution. From a crypto point of view, what it did unfortunately do, at least in for developing countries, is it halted the adoption of, of Bitcoin as alternate currencies. So when El Salvador did it, uh, everyone was watching with these big eyes and was just, just before the crash. And I think if we hadn't had that crash, we would have, so, uh, Central African Republic have adopted it as, a, as an alternate currency. But the reason that a lot of these developing nations are looking at Bitcoin in particular as an alternate currency is to move away from the reliance on the US dollar. And as we yeah. see that sort of thing coming in, you're going to see more and more stringent regulation coming from the likes of the US government, coming even from the likes of the World Bank. Because as you say, it's about changing of power structures and people don't want to see the status quo changed. Perfect. We're coming down to the end. I just want everyone to get a chance to do a, a last thought of closing thoughts for this panel, okay? Go ahead, uh, Alex or whoever. Perfect. My closing thoughts on this uh, is that... Basically, don't forget that Africa's here. Uh, yes, we are tend to be the forgotten continent, but we are the second largest uh, continent in terms of population, but uh, Bitcoin adoption. And uh, watch the space for mass adoption of this technology because people have already been using things similar. It's not as big a jump for the African continent as it is for everyone else. Katerina? Well, um, first of all, I would like to thank uh, you, Martin, for being our fantastic moderator today. And, uh, oh, you're all, welcome. All the panelists, uh, because uh, it's, I don't know, like it's a pleasure for me to talk with all of you to discuss uh, these important questions and uh, talking about DeFi and uh, also like financial inclusion. Uh, I could say that it's coming. It's coming. It's definitely coming in different ways, uh, in decentralized way and also highly centralized way that might be mm, marketed or PR'd as decentralized. And uh, for sure, lots of innovation will be. And uh, I'm just like looking forward for this fantastic uh, future. And especially like if uh, these DeFi projects would help not only themselves, but also would help the world and the international system, financial systems, that would be amazing. Perfect. Uh, leave you. Okay. Uh, thank you. First of all, Martin, as uh, Katerina said, for being our moderator today. And thank you to my colleagues, Katerina, Alex, Benjamin. It was a pleasure discussing with you. And uh, I want to end with some uh, steps for the undeserved persons who have watch, uh, watched us and who will uh, watch us. I defined the uh, five big steps. The most important one, as Benjamin said, is to conduct research and educate yourself. And the second one would be to acquire some cryptocurrency. Why not? Because you will need it for any DeFi, DeFi protocol. Choose a DeFi platform and a service after you conducted your research. Also take precautions because uh, we saw what happened in the, in the last couple of months or the last six months. And don't be afraid to seek guidance because uh, what I see in this space is that people really want to help each other. And uh, there are a lot of well-intended uh, people as well as uh, scammers, as someone previously said. 
but uh, this shouldn't stop us from seeking guidance and uh, trying to, to help each other to live in a better world and offer a fair chance to, to almost everyone. Thank so you. thank you again. Okay, I would say that every time you hear someone or a big institution tell you that crypto is difficult, it's only for the mafia and that blah, blah, blah. Remember what they used to say for the, like, the past, uh, you know, 20 years or 30 years that finance is too difficult for you to understand. Politics is very too difficult for you to understand. Uh, foreign affairs is too difficult. So you see, we are as, as citizens, the revolution of crypto is that now we can start understanding what finance means. We understand what the money means, currency. We understand the, the, the difference in, in uh, the interactions of power between countries. We understand all that. When you are in crypto, you, you have a feel of what power is. So powers now, power can be, can be yours if you take, you know, understanding of what the crypto world and the Web3 uh, environment. So go for it. Absolutely go for it. You can start, uh, you know, you can start interacting with these tools with like 20 euro or 40 euros. It's no big deal in, in the crypto. They, they accept you with 20 euros in the crypto world. Perfect. All right. This panel is now almost over. I just want to thank you all. I want to thank Laurent for putting this together. I want to thank the team that is also helping us. And so uh, let's keep building together and see you later, guys. Bye bye. Thanks again to our guests and thank you everyone for listening. Thanks also to the Barian Music team for providing their music. You can check them out on barianmusic.com. All of the supporting information is on our website, blockchainrecorded.com. You can listen to us on Google, Apple, and Amazon podcasts, as well as on YouTube, Spotify, Radio Public, and Stitcher. You can follow us on Twitter and YouTube, where we are super grateful for your support. Stay tuned for our next episode.